Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. You know, there was a lot of news to be able to report on Friday, and it was hard to determine what to talk about. But at the end of the day, we are going to be catching up on some news events that happened on Friday on today's podcast. And the reason being is, even though it's past Friday, I firmly believe there's just some events that we have to be able to talk about because they might be brought up in the news again, whether because of their entertainment purposes or their political, it's things to keep an eye out for due to the fact that there's also a midterm election coming up in the United States currently right now. And it's just best to be able to keep on top of the news as best we can on this podcast so that we can be able to let you fellow podcast listeners know what's going on so that we can be able to keep spreading the word of what's happening. But with that being said, some, some articles that we're going to be talking about for this weekend or from this weekend and also from Friday. First off, Black Adam tallies 67 million in domestic debut. First film opening since July to top 50 million. And what does that mean for the entertainment industry going forward? Then we've got some news from Ethereum. Ethereum is becoming more sustainable and potentially it's becoming greener to mine the cryptocurrency. And what does that mean for the crypto markets going forward? There's other news too, has to do with the US government now, and it's considering a national security review on Elon Musk, $44 billion deal of Twitter. Will the US government cancel this? And we'll talk a little bit more of that when we get into that article today as well. Finally, there's news from President Biden, both from President Biden's side, where President Biden is saying that 22, 22 million people have signed up for student loan forgiveness. It was the big deal on Friday. And at the same time, a court is temporarily blocking Biden's student loan forgiveness. And what does that mean for the political side of this issue going forward? With that being said, I have to remind you all at the beginning of each podcast, I'm not a professional advisor, and everything I talk about in this podcast is for information entertainment purposes only. I cannot give you any financial advice in any way, shape, or form. You need to go talk to your professional advisor before making any investment ideas because, like I said, I can't legally give you financial advice. So please, go talk to your professional advisor before investing as you're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market at times. With that being said, let's begin today's podcast. Black Adam tallies 67 million in domestic debut. First film opening since July to top 50 million. From CNBC, Black Adam stored into theaters this weekend, snaring 67 million domestically. It is the first film since Disney and Marvel Studios' Thor Love and Thunder in July to tally more than 50 million during its debut. The Warner Brothers film also marks star Dwayne Johnson's largest domestic opening as leading man. Premium, uh, premium formats, including IMAX, uh, Dolby Cinema and large format cinema screens accounted for around 33% of the film's domestic ticket sales. The studio reported Sunday, these tickets are often more expensive than those sold for traditional screenings and indicate the audiences are looking to watch big movies on the big screens possibly. This is a good th- sign for the film industry, which saw attendance shrink during the pandemic and is currently dealing with a significant lack of new film releases. As of Sunday, the 2022 box offices had more than one-third fewer wide releases compared to 2019 levels. This has led to more than 30% decrease in box office grosses, according to data from Comscore. Black Adams one of four major releases coming to theaters before the end of this year. The others are all Disney films, which are Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which comes out November 11th, Stranger World, which comes out November 23rd, 
and Avatar The Way of Water, which comes out on December 16th. The hope from the movie theater owners is that films like Black Adam can continue to drive traffic to theaters beyond its opening weekend. You know, I'm going to keep saying this over and over again. If the plot of a movie is decent enough, and if it isn't political in the movie, now granted there are some movies that are political, and they pretty do they, they do somewhat well, but they're also like historic political movies. I'm going to say that this could potentially be the reason why Hollywood is going to end up making money in the end. As long as you don't get too political in your movies and you go for entertainment, I mean, that's the segment that's from CNBC, the entertainment section, your movie's going to do well at the box office, okay? It's something I don't think a lot of people in Hollywood realize. No one cares for political agendas across the board when it comes to movies. In fact, I remember a couple years ago watching a movie, I remember thinking, I was like, man, this movie just seems too political instead of just entertainment, I mean, I, I personally, when I go to the movies, I want to be able just to enjoy the movie. Look at the scenery. Look at the imagination of the director, what he's thinking of this world. But at the same time, if it becomes too political. It's just, it doesn't have any interest for me whatsoever. I still believe. I don't think, well, personally, my opinion. I think Black Panther will do okay. But I believe the best movie that's going to end this year is going to be Avatar The Way of Water. That movie, to me, is going to be like the hit make or break for Hollywood this year. And what's going to be interesting too to see is how they're going to report that movie when it comes out. And all honestly, I mean, there's been movies, I mean, they re-released Avatar recently and it was doing better than a lot of other movies that came out. CNBC didn't report it at the time and you had to look at other sources to look into that. But they're only focusing on the big hits right now. So Black Adam did well. Probably will continue to do well if it's a decent movie and plot behind it behind the moviegoer who's going to watch it. So as long as the movie's good, people are going to go. If it's too political, people are not going to care to watch it. So, I mean, we've already seen that with other movies that have come out this year. I think one of them was a romantic comedy that came out. I can't remember what it's called, but apparently that flopped at the theaters recently. So continuing on with the CNBC articles from the tech industry with Ethereum, how Ethereum's merge made crypto mining more sustainable. From CNBC, after years of anticipation, the cryptocurrency Ethereum finally implemented a major network upgrade that completely changes how blockchain verifies transactions, mints new coins, and secures its network. Called Proof of Stake, this system has reduced Ethereum energy consumption by more than 99%. I believe for those who studied the crypto markets a lot, this is kind of a big deal. Because apparently to mine Bitcoin, you need a lot of energy. And this is one reason why El Salvador became a little bit more interesting when it came to accepting Bitcoin as a legal tender, because they were able to mine it more because El Salvador has five volcanoes and they're able to just mine using the energy off those volcanoes. So this should make people who are wanting to have more sustainable energy or just not have to consume as much energy a little bit more happy that this is now happening. Okay. Continuing on with the article, says energy usage has been one of the cryptocurrencies industry's biggest target for critics, but it's not likely that Bitcoin will follow suit. Instead, the Bitcoin network is sticking with a system called proof of work in which highly specialized computers try to guess a winning number that serves a validated transactions and create new coins. This is what's known as mining. At the moment, guessing a winning number takes over 100 sextillion tries. All of this works helps to secure the network by making it nearly impossible for bad actors to occur enough computing power to control. But recent research also has shown that 2020 mining Bitcoin consumed 75.4 terawatt hours of electricity, more than all of Austri Austria or Portugal. This is the system formerly used by Ethereum. 
but now the network has swamped out miners for valid validators instead of paying massive um com, competitional guessing correction com, compute computed uh, national guessing game validators are assigned to verify new transactions and earn either as a reward for doing so to ensure these validators act honestly, they essentially have to make a security deposit by staking a certain amount of Ether coins into the network. If the validator tries to attack the network, they lose their stake. Ethereum proponents say this will penalty will make the network more secure, but Bitcoin enthusiasts say proof of work is more of a secure tie to true approach. I'm not a crypto expert in any way, shape, or form. Never have been. I do have stakes in Bitcoin and Ethereum because I firmly believe in their small positions. But I firmly believe that at the end of the day, cryptocurrency is going to be a huge component in our currency at some point. And the only reason I believe that too is because I think Bitcoin in particular, like you're always going to have people that are going to be not trusting the US dollar at the end of the day. But it's nice to see that these, that as cryptocurrencies evolve, they're making, they're making them more and more secure. I think it was the other day there was an article that came out that said that a lot of the crypto markets had been hacked recently and it was like something billion or maybe it was trillion. I can't remember exactly had been stolen, but there's always going to be someone trying to hack into these mining situations so that they can get their hands on the cryptocurrency as much as possible. But like I had said earlier, I think it's exciting that Ethereum is now getting, is, is using less consumption to be able to make their coins now. And with that being said, that also means maybe you don't need as much storage anymore to be able to make the mining networks in general. Maybe you don't, maybe that's the next step is being able to use less hardware to be able to create the currency at the end of the day. It's hard to tell, but I mean, says overall the optics of Bitcoin energy used in the midst of the global climate crisis become a problem for the network. In response, some major Bitcoin miners are starting to seek out renewable energy to power their data centers and trying to change the narrative by touting Bitcoin's energy use as an asset as it helps drive investment in the national aging electric grid. Maybe one thing they could help is maybe if these mining companies, because there are some companies that will mine the Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, Maybe they need to get solar panels on their the rooftops of their buildings that they're at. At the same time, maybe have a backup electrical generator. And if you're desperate for more energy, maybe they need to do them near turbines. Because isn't that where the electricity is at its strongest, I believe? Is that the, near the source? Could be wrong, but I think this could be a turning point for the crypto markets. Now, from Insider. The U.S. government is considering a national security review of Elon Musk's 44 billion Twitter acquisition report says, if it happens, Biden could ultimately kill the deal. Whoa, 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 what is this? Yeah, kind of a shocker headline. And when we get into it, you're going to be a little bit intrigued by this. The U.S. government is considering national security reviews of some of Elon Musk's ventures, including his Twitter takeover deal, Bloomberg reported Thursday, citing people with knowledge of the matter. Musk plans to purchase Twitter for $44 billion with the help of foreign investors, including Saudi Arabia's Prince, Qatar's uh, Wealth Fund, and Binance Holdings, which was founded by Chinese businessmen, have concerned Biden administration officials. The people told Bloomberg, okay, that's where things get funny. That same Saudi prince Biden just went to recently begging to drill more oil from OPEC for one more month. We talked about this in the past podcast. Look into that again. 
funny how when Biden goes talking to him about oil, it's an issue. But when Elon Musk is trying to potentially make a deal happen to buy Twitter, they're like, oh, no, it's national security risk. Let's continue on. Officials are considering which tools they can use to review Musk Ventures, including actions by the Committee of Foreign Investment in the U.S. CFIUS, which reviews foreign takeovers of American businesses, per Bloomberg. The CFIUS carries out security reviews if a transaction threatens to impair the national security of the United States. According to federal regulators, when reviewing a transaction, the CFIUS can recommend to the president that the deal be suspended or prohibited per the regulations. If the Twitter acquisition was to be reviewed by the CFIUS for national security reasons, the agency could recommend to President Biden that that he nix the deal, something Musk himself has tried and failed to do in recent months. Presidents have killed deals in the past of the recommendation of CFIUS. In 2019, former President Donald Trump blocked Beijing's um, informational technology company attempts to acquire hotel management platform Stay in Touch after a recommendation from the CFIUS. After initial offering to buy Twitter in April, Musk tried to back out of the deal, claiming that the social media platform had failed to comply with obligation to disclose the number of bots on the platform. Shortly after his reveal reversal on the acquisition, Twitter sued Musk, accusing him of not honoring his obligations. The billionaire in October offered again to buy Twitter for $44 billion. Shares Twitter shares fell about 13% in pre-market trading Friday after Bloomberg reported Thursday. A Twitter user replied to a post from the Bloomberg article saying, quote, it would be hysterical if the government stopped Elon from paying for Twitter. Musk replied to the tweet with a hundred emoji and rolling on the floor laughing emoji. Consistent with law and practice, CFIUS does not publicly comment on transactions that it may or may not be reviewing, a government spokesperson told Insider. Bloomberg reported the people with knowledge of the discussion around security reviews are saying that talks were at early stages. SpaceX Starlink Internet Network could be the subject of to a national security review, the pe- same people reported said. Biden officials were concerned after Musk tweeted a peace plan that seemed to uh, to parrot the Kremlin's talking points. Oh, correction, parrot the Kremlin's talking points. It also followed SpaceX warning that the company might have to stop providing Starlink to Ukraine per Bloomberg. Yeah, I think this is the real reason why Joe Biden's freaking out about this. I think, okay, and you have to think like a politician understand this part, okay? He's afraid that true news will come out on him and he's done for. There, I said it. I don't care. I said it, okay? And there's a midterm election coming up too. And he's trying to win an election for his party, the Democrats across the board. The fact that he's even looking into this, I mean, it gives an idea that he doesn't want potential. This is just this is just food for thought. It doesn't seem like he wants free speech to be out there at the end of the day, okay? Elon Musk is huge on free speech, okay? At least he claims that way. Maybe he's going to pull a fast one on us regular people eventually and just say, no, I'm not for free speech. But he seems to be for it. Okay. But the fact that the Biden are concerned, even though he went to the same prince about a month ago or two months ago, begging to have more oil drilled. And now that same prince is being, he's helping fund Twitter's deal. And they're like, oh no, it's an issue. But it's not an issue when it comes to drilling more oil. The hypocrisy is disgusting at this time. It's just sad if you think about it too. Still think Elon's going to end up getting Twitter at the end of the day. I don't think the U.S. government has a case whatsoever. So it's just them trying to be like, look how tough we are trying to do our jobs, even though we're failing at our jobs. At least it seems that way. I mean, the market's already reacting to a lot of his policies across the board, especially like in the oil markets, like I've been talking about a lot recently on this podcast so it doesn't surprise me that they're trying to continue with being able to show just how tough they are 
at the end of the day, Elon's still going to get this. It's just pathetic that they're trying to block this, being like, oh no, this is a national security risk. It's not though. But continuing on with Joe Biden now, President Biden says that 22 million people have signed up for student loan forgiveness. President Joe Biden said Friday that 22 million people have already registered for student loan relief. Quote, folks, it takes less than five minutes, Biden said, speaking at the Delaware State University, a historical black college in Dover. It's about an easy to apply while hanging out with your friends at home watching a movie. The vast majority are applying on their phones. It's easy. The application officially opened Monday, but was released as a beta test. October 14th, Biden said the White House took its route to avoid the technical glitches experienced when he and President Barack Obama rolled out the Affordable Care Act site. Biden campaigned on a promise of student loan forgiveness. In August, he announced that the federal student loan borrowers earning up to $125,000 or household with less than $250,000 in income would be eligible up to $10,000 in forgiveness. Pell Grant recipients are eligible for $20,000 debt relief. In total, more than 40 million Americans stand to benefit from this relief, Biden said. Quote, for borrowers out of school, nearly 90% of relief is going to the people making under 75000 a year. Let, let me be clear. Not a dime, not a dime will go to the top incomes, period. If it goes to people who already need it, or correction, who really need it. Eligible borrows owe more than $1.7 trillion total, a number far greater than auto and credit card debt. Biden said he has already received over 10,000 letters from students thanking him for the executive order. Some Republicans questioned the legality of the executive order, but court cases challenging the order were dismissed Thursday on both the state and federal level, allowing forgiveness to move forward. Borrows who submitted applications could be granted forgiveness as soon as Sunday. Quote, they've been fighting up in the courts, Biden said, but just yesterday the state and the Supreme Court said no on Biden's side. Supreme Court Justice Connie Barrett on Thursday rejected a challenge to the program brought by the Wisconsin Taxpayer Group, and the Missouri and federal judge threw out a lawsuit brought by six Republican-led states. Lawyers for the federal government previously agreed to hold off discharging student loan relief until October 23rd, giving time for the legal challenges to proceed. Speaking in Dover, Biden uh, chide Republicans who supported the $2 trillion tax cuts under former President Donald Trump and personally received pandemic relief funds but who did not support student debt relief. Quote, I don't want to hear it from the MAGA Republicans, officials who had hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, even millions of dollars in pandemic relief loans forgiveness, who now are attacking me and helping middle uh, class Americans, Biden said. He specifically called out uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, a Republican from Georgia. She and her husband received 180000 worth of payment projected program loans, and the congressional woman criticized the student loan plan. The only thing I'm going to say about the student loan plan, and I think Joe Biden's trying not to remember this fully, but remember, President Barack Obama, I believe, back in 2008, 2009, during the the, the collapse of the banks on the on Wall Street, they gave a lot of money to banks. They sure did to help keep the banks alive. But this is where things get a little bit more interesting. Okay, it says courts temporarily block Biden's student loan forgiveness. A U.S. appeals court on Friday temporarily blocked President Biden, Joe Biden's plan to cancel billions of dollars in college student loans one day after a judge dismissed a Republican-led lawsuit by six states challenging the debt forgiveness program. The 8th U.S. Circuit of Court Appeals granted the state's emergency petition to freeze the loan forgiveness plan until the court rules on the request for a long-term injection, while Thursday's decision against the states is being appealed. The St. Louis-based appeals court also ordered an expedited briefing schedule on the matter. U.S. District Judge Henry Otry in St. Louis ruled on Thursday that while the six Republican-led states have raised important and significant challenges to the debt relief plan, he threw out their lawsuit on grounds they lacked the necessary legal standing to pursue the case. 
Nebraska, Missouri, Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, and South Carolina said Biden's plan skirted congressional authority and threatened the state's future tax revenues and money earned by the state entities that invest in or service the student loans. Their case is one of a number that conservative state attorney general and legal groups have filed seeking to halt the debt forgiveness plan announced in August by Biden, a Democrat. Atri ruled that in an hour after the U.S. Supreme Court Justice Amy Conan Barrett denied without explanation an emergency request to put the debate relief plan on hold in a separate challenge brought by the Wisconsin-based Brown County Taxpayers Association and a policy benefiting millions of Americans. Biden said the U.S. government will forgive us. I'm not going to get into that. At the end of the day, this is what I, and this is funny because they said this at the end of the article says Democrats are hoping the policy will boost support for them in the November 8th midterm election in which control of Congress is at stake. And there it is. He's doing everything in his power to win an election. He doesn't care about the people at the end of the day. He really doesn't. If he did, he would end student loans through the federal government. Okay. If you guys ever listen to Dave Ramsey, he says that a lot. He says, how do you end the student loan crisis? You end the federal government borrowing the money. Okay. I said this once in the past podcast too. There was one time where Maxine Waters was trying to look tough. I'd advise you all looking up this video. It's the funniest video in the world. Maxine Waters is ripping on the banks and they're like, oh, you're greedy. And she doesn't say greedy, but you get the you get the gist of what she's trying to go for. Just being like, oh, like you're causing a lot of pain and suffering for the American people. And she's asking them about the student loan forgive, about how they're going to help with forgiving student loans and how they're helping with the student loan crisis. And she goes down the banks and each bank CEO says, we haven't been part of the student loan program for students for college since, and they give their dates. Okay. And it takes someone like Jamie Dimon, the current CEO of Chase Bank. When he says this, he ends up saying something along the lines of, we haven't been part of the program since President Barack Obama took over the federal student loan program in 2008, 2009, or something along those lines. And as soon as he says that, I think like Maxine Waters was going down the list of the CEOs. And as soon as Jamie Dimon said, I think Jamie Dimon was like either like the third or fourth one. Maybe he was halfway down the line of the CEOs. As soon as Jamie Dimon says that, she completely changes the subject. Completely. Because she's called out on it. That the federal government's controlling the student loan program right now. Okay. They don't care for you. They don't. If you have student loans, they really don't care. I mean, this plan, all this is going to do is going to cause, at least in my opinion, okay, it's going to cause a lot of colleges to raise tuitions, okay? Think about it this way, okay? If this passes, okay, and you're forgiven of $10,000 to $20,000 student loans, okay, I understand it can be soul-crushing. It can be. Being in debt in general is soul-crushing, okay? But if they forgive $10,000 to $20,000, who's to say that these, like, the schools across America are literally going to be like, well, they just forgave $10,000 to $20,000 in student loans. We're going to raise our prices here at the college because no matter what, we're guaranteed to make money. And all honestly, I can literally see a lot of colleges raising their student loan prices or just their tuition costs in general. Okay. I mean, that's something that needs to be looked into is before President Biden, if he can get this passed. That someone needs to do research on this. Maybe we'll do it here on this podcast. Maybe we'll take a quick screenshot to see tuition across the board. We need to see if this is really going to change. And like I said, this is just my opinion. I firmly believe if this passes, okay, first off, you're printing more money. And that's the other thing too. It says here, 
The policy fulfilled a promise that Biden made during 2020 presidential campaign to help debts saddled former college students. The Congressional Budget Office in September calculated that the debt forgiveness would cost the government about $400 billion. $400 billion, which means we're going to go up into debt more by $400 billion if this passes, potentially. Okay? And you can expect colleges will raise their tuition too. And all honestly, this plan is sickening. Like I said, last part, last paragraph, it says he's trying to win an election and he's hoping for it will boost support to win this election. It's sickening. Okay. If you have kids right now, I hope you I hope you look into their eyes and realize if this passes, your poor kid is gonna have to pay an extra ten thousand to twenty thousand dollars potentially to go to college. Okay. It wasn't that long ago college was not that expensive. It really wasn't, okay? I hear stories all the time from my dad who used to say, when I went to college, it cost something like under $1,000 or something, and he was able to work part-time and do that. Now college costs keep going up across the board. This is not going to end well, okay? I mean, like I said, if you're in debt, I I feel sorry for you, and I do feel your pain. But at the end of the day, who's it, who's it going to really cost? At the end of the day, it's going to cost all of us in general, Costs are going to increase. Inflation will continue to increase. It's that's it seems to be their answer across the board for this whole entire presidency is we'll just print more money. And I, and I gotta also rip on this too. President Trump did print a lot of money too during COVID. But at the end of the day, you can't print your way into a economic prosperity. Germany tried doing that in the 1930s, 1920s, when they had to pay war reparations for World War One. And you know what happened to Germany? It cost like, what was it? Two wheelbarrows worth of the German dollar at the time in order to buy a loaf of bread. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't want to live in a society where it's going to cost, a, hopefully by the time I get to the grocery store, using wheelbarrows. Now, granted, we don't have, we, don't, we won't be taking wheelbarrows, but can you imagine if you went to get a loaf of bread and inflation's just running rampant like it was in Germany because they were printing so much money? that you're just hoping that your transaction on your credit card will be able to handle the increased price of the bread at the time. It's sickening. Okay. The student loan thing, like it's going to cost us and we're going to keep paying attention to it, but it's going to cost the American taxpayer soon. And it's sickening what's happening in this world right now with it. So I agree with Dave Ramsey on this cancel the student loan program. That's how the federal government can help. They're the predators at the end of the day. They're the ones who are causing this crisis. And they're the ones who are trying to look like the saviors at the end of the day. I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast, fellow podcast listeners. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription can help grow this channel. And therefore, you won't miss a podcast when it's released, as it will help be able to keep growing this channel as much as possible. Please also share with friends or family, as they might be able to enjoy this podcast as well, to get the news of what's happening at all times. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast today. Thank you, and goodbye.